And this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 9, Episode 13. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. Joined by Declan Landis and Johnny Zwizlak. And yes, I am fully aware that last week I introed the pod by saying it was Season 9, Episode 13, but it really should have been Season 9, Episode 12. That's on me. It's definitely, definitely on me. So we will be going through famous... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do famous number 12s this week coming out of the shoot because we missed the 12s last week, but we went through the 13s with Diane Richardson. So again, clerical error on my part. I apologize to our to our alscoop.com scoop listening community. The numbers were great on last week's podcast. Big thank you again to, to Diane Richardson. Really, really cool conversation that we had with her. It was very enjoyable. We have a lot of basketball to talk about this week. Some football as well. Temple's back in the win column. Now they face USF down in Tampa this weekend. Temple, the Temple men have a game on the road Friday night against Navy in the Veterans Classic. Johnny Swizlak will be covering that for us. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon before the Temple women take on Georgetown, so you guys are probably going to be listening this Friday morning, so we won't preview that game because it's going to be old news by that point. But uh, And we have an interview with Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting. We had promised that to you guys for, I believe, a couple weeks now. He's going to talk to us about Dylan Batie and Aiden Tobiasen, both of whom signed their national letters of intent today. Those guys are officially in the books for Temple now. And uh, we'll ask him about a lot of the 2025 players we asked him about before, just updates on that, along with a couple of players from the 2026 class. So we have a really, really fun show ahead for you guys. The Scoop, as always, brought to you guys by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash with someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win, so in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. It's greenspans-law.com. Before we even get to the famous number 12s, let's wish a very happy birthday to our very own Johnny Zawisla. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Happy birthday, it. buddy. I appreciate it. If Thank I had you. my old setup, I'd give you the round of applause. How old you are you still, now? You're 20? Right. 21. Oh, this is your 21st birthday. Yes, 21st birthday. All right. Be yeah. safe, be smart, be responsible in whatever you do in celebrating. I will. No promises. But you said you're, you, <laughs> and you know what I gave Johnny? All not three? knowing not knowing it was his birthday today, Johnny is covering the Temple women's basketball game for us tonight. So I'm making oh. him work on his birthday. So. No, it's no worries. This guy's a grinder. He really yeah. is. You know? I try. Yeah. Johnny, thought like, do you reflect upon your life at this point? <laughs> do you... You see, you see <laughs> I, I think... Do you, Declan, let him answer the question. Last, last <laughs> night, you know, I kind of went through a mini midlife crisis. You know, it was a it's nowhere like near a midlife quarter crisis. Life crisis. A quarter, yes. li- a quarter, quarter life, life crisis. crisis is probably a better uh, example because you know I, I realized there's nothing to look forward to now. Like after 21, it's completely like, false, completely. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also, but it's also completely so and much, utterly false. Uh, so much, so much, is so much to look forward to because I like I can actually gamble. I can what? I can actually legally buy a drink. What? Which mm-hmm. is awesome. But also, I mean, there's no like milestones anymore. Like there are plenty of milestones ahead for you. you, you is have, there? Like, yes, you have so much stuff to look forward to. Oh. 
you're too young to be saying stuff like that. That's fair. Probably. Well, Declan and I will both give you a hug after we record. Oh, thank yes. you. I appreciate it. Yeah. You have plenty of milestones ahead. Yeah. So literally last night you were sitting there and having a, a quarter life crisis? Is this not, before not like or after actual... you were playing Fortnite? In the middle of it. <laughs> um, it was, I wouldn't say it was a crisis. It was more like a... For, for so long, I was... Um, like I'd look forward to it. And then like when it actually came, it was like, oh, now now what? It was one of those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, and then when you go out to a bar and I can be like, okay, this is uh, the thrill of that wears off very quickly. So you'll be fine. Oh, okay. You've got, you've got a bright career, bright future ahead of you. Don't don't get down on yourself now. Atta boy. I appreciate that, John. Yeah, I, I needed the go. pep talk. Any birthday plans this weekend? This yeah, because you're working. You're working tonight. You're covering the women's game for us tonight. You're covering the men's game for us at Navy tomorrow night. Yeah. We've got football Saturday, another women's basketball game Saturday, volleyball as well. That's more of a TTN thing, but yeah, I think I think next week my dad's going to come up and we're going to go to the live casino. There you go, in South Philly. So I think that's my that's my birthday plan. There you go, Declan. Did you get Johnny anything for his birthday? Yeah, I rented him a tux for next weekend, so he could look like James Bond. Really? Did you? No, (laughs) no. You got me all excited for a second. We, uh, you know, Johnny had been. Upset about his laptop charger, so Rymir and I went fifty-fifty, and we uh, paid for his laptop That's charger. That's sweet. That's nice. Which you did not need to do. But you I guys very are a very, very thoughtful bunch. We try to be, yes. um, and we got a couple other, couple of the other things up the sleeve that I will not so be maybe divulging. They are renting the tuxedo for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe he did. Maybe, maybe. Would you? But we do have a couple things in store. Can I ask a James Bond question, or will this just fall upon deaf ears? Do you know the actors who have played James Bond, or not really? I know a couple. No. Would he be a Daniel Craig? Would he be a Roger Moore? Would he be a, a Pierce Brosnan? A Pierce Brosnan. Would he be a Timothy Dalton? T. Dalt. Um, who's the Roger guy? Roger Moore. Roger Moore was kind of like the goofier guy, right? He was kind of like he oh, he was really? a little sillier. Wasn't there a James Bond that was like a little sillier? Roger Moore silly? I don't know. I don't know. I've never Roger seen the movies. I just knew things I've heard through the grapevine. Timothy block. Dalton, I think, just did like two movies. They made a Timothy Dalton reference, and I love you, man. When he was trying on yes. tuxedos, he's like T Dalt. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I had no idea what it was saying, and I wouldn't have known unless you had pointed it out. But yeah, Johnny, any other thoughts on your birthday before we get down to business and work here? No, I think I think you guys touched all the bases. You know, <laughs> you're like Bond. Robin in the bar. You, we, you, Declan was talking about the Barry Gibb talk show before. Yes, he's now um, Robin Gibb, a uh, Gibb, not Gibb, Gibb. Robin, do you have anything, Dad? No, 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 no I don't. No, I don't. I don't. I know. Hargadetta. <laughs> are we keeping that in <laughs> i will <laughs> there we go that's incredible i thought it was funny incredible Very incredible funny. stuff thank you all right since we skipped over it last week famous number 12s guys there are a lot of quarterbacks yeah a lot of quarterbacks maybe the greatest point guard of all time maybe yes. maybe well that's up for it's up for debate up for, for debate. sure yeah at least the greatest backup point guard I'm gonna, of all time. i'm gonna go one that you guys probably aren't thinking about Andrew Luck. He hmm. wore number oh, twelve. We were just talking about him yeah. earlier today. Yeah. We were, yeah, we were. It's good, good poll. Uh, I'm going to go T.J. McConnell. <laughs> no. How there was that's never who a you doubt. were talking there was about. Never a doubt that he, <laughs> that's who you were talking about. I thought you were talking about. <laughs> well, you Stockton. said greatest point guard of all time. John Stockton's gotten a little weird recently. Yeah, I wouldn't pick no. him another uh, time. Uh, another conversation for another time. Yeah, T.J. McConnell. Yeah, come you back said, once you said famous backup point guard, I was like, who was he talking about? Yeah, T.J. McConnell. T.J. McConnell. Yep. From where? Uh, Pittsburgh, right yeah. outside. 
Yeah. Do you, do you know every little fact about TJ? No, I just remember we had this conversation. Where did he before. start his college career? Uh, was not Arizona. I don't remember. Duquesne. Duquesne. You don't know I was on the tip of my tongue. No, I just said I didn't. I just enjoy his you play. Did. You did. It's my fault. <laughs> Active listening. It's okay. Came, came down way too hard on you. <laughs> that one. You got one, John? I mean, yeah, there's several. I mean, like, there, there's Terry Bradshaw. Brady's the obvious one. I was just going to say, Eli Manning's little brother. Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, his little brother. <laughs> As you said, Johnny, a lot of quarterbacks. Quiz time. We'll, we'll do a few uh, quiz questions here. Played for the Bills. Jim Kelly. There we go. <laughs> My cousin will be really proud of that. My mom as well. Guaranteed to win. Oh, uh, Joe Namath. There we go. Boom. Wow. You Come are, on. Catch up. Catch up. According to this list I'm looking at, there is a NASCAR driver who wore number 12. I would never. Uh, there probably was. Give me the initials. B.A. Oh, I got nothing. Bobby Allison. No. I'm sure my dad's disappointed in me right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're making some people proud and disappointed in some it's, other people. It's a cycle. <laughs> One that never ends. Oh, Ken, I forgot about Ken Stabler. He was my dad's favorite quarterback. My dad loved Ken Stabler. I was Ken going, Stabler. going through some stuff of, of my dad's last night, and uh, he has a couple of autographed Ken Stabler pictures. Oh, no way. Oh. That's yep. so cool. Yeah. Uh, another famous quarterback plays for the most hated team in Philadelphia. A, a team, a team that everyone in Philadelphia hates. Uh, I phrased that poorly. So he plays on the Cowboys. Oh, Romo. Yeah. No, Romo didn't. Romo was nine. nine. He wore no. Nine. Think back before that. Troy Aikman, but he didn't wear twelve. No, before older than that. Before you were born. Before older I was born. That, oh, that's I, tough. Dude, uh, the guy that went to Navy. Yes, you're on the right uh, track. Yes, yeah, so that's him. Just oh, what the hell his is his name? name? Oh, I can't think. Uh, Roger Staubach. Uh, Roger Staubach. Oh. He was the first Hail Mary. That yeah. was the Hail Mary pass. Yes. Roger Staubach. Another, another number 12. Oh, oh. <laughs> <I've got laughs> let me, let me, let me finish what I was <laughs> saying. It down. This guy thinks he knows everything about the medical community. Aaron Rodgers? Yes. <laughs> My mind went to Joe Rogan. <laughs> which well, not close. Off, <laughs> close. <far> close. <laughs> close. Yeah. There you have it. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Great segment. Great segment. Great segment. Woo. Really brought it today. All right, we promised you guys a conversation with Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting. We have him here on The Scoop. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, man. How about you? Good. Always Doing a pleasure well. to be on. Doing well. Is that a... What, what t-shirt are you wearing there? Chicago Sky. Old Chicago Sky t-shirt. That's, that's pretty Rep, sweet. We're up in the north a little bit, uh, Kalia Copper. Yeah. Where's Bo? <laughs> Bo's upstairs. He's not, he's not welcome down here. We'll throw off the recording. <laughs> really? I mean, he could start going off at any second. That'd be great. Some chaos, some chaos on the scoop. Um, No, I appreciate you being on, buddy. A good recruiting week for Temple last week. And then Dylan Batie and Aiden Tobias and Temple just announced today that they officially signed their national letters of intent. So we got some good questions for you here. Again, you you know this stuff as well as anybody. We'll start with Dylan Batie, the, the legacy recruit from Lancaster High School down in Texas. Written about him. I had a chance to catch up with him. Uh, when he committed, but how often did you get to see him this summer? What are your thoughts on Dylan? I know he's not the same player his dad was. Derek was more of a a true post player, a little little bigger. Not to say that Dylan can't grow into his body more, but uh, tell listeners about what you've seen from Dylan Batie. Yeah, so he was a kid I um, had heard about all throughout his previous junior high school season. Actually, thought that I'd, I'd been mistold that he was Tony Batie's son, who, who I remembered from the Sixers. Right. Uh, 
and, and I've just been hearing really good things, but never even really got a chance to sit down and see film on him mm-hmm. um, from from last season. So kind of went into this AAU season seeing him with a pretty blank slate, not knowing exactly what to expect, but just knowing I've been told, you know, there's a pretty good player, has has, has some upside, has some good bloodlines. Um, once I obviously found out uh, the Temple connection being from where I'm from was was even more intrigued. So no, I mean, what what you're getting first and foremost, I mean, he, he's a genuinely elite athlete and that's at any level he could play at. The, you know, high major level. You could put him on an NBA court right now, and he'd he'd probably be an above average, at least athlete, as it stands today. So yeah, you know, just that that physical specimen walking into the AAC, you don't see every day. Certainly not. It, you know, for Temple, for it to be a kid from Texas is a, a is a nice coup rather than it being a backyard kid. And then I, I, honestly, I mean, his his skill set is still developing, but his feel for the game is impressive, and his motor is really impressive. And when you combine the feel and the motor with the elite athleticism the skill set's a lot easier to develop into college. Um, he's got a good baseline as a jump shooter. Yeah, really, really versatile and active defensively. So there's just a lot of, kind of different things you can do with them. Kind of a positionless player, and especially at the level that he's going to be going to where he's, I mean, I I, I don't know off the top of my head if there will be a better athlete in the conference. Yeah, 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 no, for real. I mean, and, and, and he could walk into the league like that from day one. Um, yeah, so, 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 so it's exciting to think about. He's a guy that I think can make an impact right away with the athleticism, with the motor. And even if he's just making some standstill shots or some some catch and shoot shots, there's an upside there to continue to develop a lot more than that into college. I want to ask you about Aiden Tobias and who I know you have been really, really high on. You gave me a great quote for the story uh, from when Aiden committed. Again, give people just an overview of his game. I have a few questions for you here about Aiden because of just, you know, you said like there's the uniqueness of like there aren't too many true sleepers anymore. You had been high on Aiden for a while. So so tell our listeners what, what Temple is getting in Aiden Tobias. And- yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I wish I could say for a while. <laughs> um, I guess re- I'll take some credit, like relatively speaking. But um, I mean, yeah, you, you you hit the nail on the head. I think I I said it for your story. I mean, he's just like as big of a late bloomer hidden gem as you'll see in an area that gets covered as much as ours does. I mean, I, I it's probably as, as, as big as a blow up as I can remember, probably since Colin Gillespie in the area and as short of a time. Do you say that because of like the it was initially D two offers and then yeah, I mean, blew I, up? I, I say that I mean not not to toot my own horn, but like I I don't think many people if anybody knows just at least knows of more kids in this area than I do, regardless mm-hmm. of how good they are or not or, or or what I know or don't know. I just know who players are, <laughs> um, right. and I had no idea this kid existed before June. For him to have been in Wilmington, Delaware, in my backyard for you know he'd been at St. Elizabeth's all all four years of high school. This is his fourth year. From that to signing the temple a few months later and and me thinking it's not only justified but maybe a steal i don't know if i'll see something like that again if I, hopefully if i'm good at my job i won't because <laughs> because mm-hmm. i found him a little bit before then but no i mean so so just talk about his game first yeah i mean aiden's probably about almost six five now mm-hmm. um it's one of those where if he's not six five now i feel almost good saying he'll be six five by the time he gets to campus with the rate he's been growing physically growing Super, super long. I mean, and and in a way that just really sticks out, just b- b- before he even does anything on the court, and just has this really innate feel for the game for a guy who hasn't necessarily played at super high levels or with um, a lot of great players. He just has a knack for where to be on the court, um, whether that's playing with the ball in his hands, whether that's playing off the ball, off of other guys. He'll, I mean, for for his high school, especially with his size now, he'll even play some in the post, and just has a this versatility and this real. Uh, knack for and joy for making the right play, which at, at his size and with the, the part I haven't touched on with his ability to shoot the ball at a really high level, 
I mean, it, it, it's just a really easy player to build around. So you look at it as somebody who could maybe develop into a lead guard with his feel for the game and his IQ. But he also, you know, with the shot making and his length, could play as high up as probably the three at a level at, uh, you know, like Temple's, you know, where you're seeing multi-guard lineups all throughout college basketball. So, again, it's, a, it, it's another one similar to Dylan where he has some things that he can bring to the table right away, potentially. With just the length and the shot making, uh, his body's not quite there in the way that, that 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 Dylan's is, and just the experience level isn't there. But but it's really the long term markers for development are all there. Um, of a kid who just has has zero bad habits, has just been this sponge. Even in the, I mean, in the time since I've been watching him since June, he's gotten markedly better. And mm-hmm. that player then is a markedly better one than the one I went back and watched on film from from his junior season. So just the 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 progressions that he's stacking with with the physical tools and, and just like the, the cleanness of his skill set already. Uh, it's a really exciting get, especially, like I said, for a kid that nobody ever heard of five, six months ago, who was, you know, first division one offer was in September, I think from sacred heart. I think yeah, if you had Delaware, in, Del state. Yeah. Uh, I think it, Delaware, Del state sacred heart was his first one. Yeah. Um, Vermont ended up and, 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 and did a little bit with them. Um, I think ultimately in the end, it really came down to temple and Delaware. And if te- and, and and it was a kid too. If Temple hadn't pulled the trigger, I think that you, you know was still going to sign to Delaware and sign and commit early, and wasn't going to string the process out. So that's always. I mean, it was a very old school and in a lot of a lot of ways very refreshing uh, um, evaluation and subsequent recruitment to just to watch unfold because it doesn't really happen much that way anymore. Had he chosen to prolong his recruitment and wait till the spring, you think more offers would have piled in for him? Um, yeah, I mean, if this were three, four years ago, I would have just more with less hesitancy said, yes, absolutely. Just with the nature of spring recruiting now being so weird and so portal heavy. I think that's the only way I, the only reason that I say Temple might've gotten lucky and, and, and been able to avoid that had it, had it played into the spring. And it's another one too. Like if, if this kid played in the Philly Catholic league, I'd say not a chance. The fact that he's down in Delaware, like a little bit off the beaten path still, they might've had a chance, but. I, I mean, I could just put it from, from where I sit for my job each time that I saw him, my grade on him was only going up, up and up mm-hmm. to where, yeah, if it lingered into the season, I know I was calling power five coaches to at least go take a look at this kid if they were still looking at guards. I think there's every chance that we look up in two, three years and he's a kid that, that you know, we look back on. And I was like, oh, he probably should have been at that level. In today's day and age, for Temple's sake, they hope that <laughs> that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that he uh, he gets a wandering eye. But And obviously it's a long way between now and then for 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 him to get there, but yeah, no, I mean, it's one just with, with, with his length, the shot making, the fact his team's going to win, and then some of the stuff he's starting to do athletically. That's what I haven't put to, haven't mentioned either. I think some tape would have gotten out, and, and there was enough buzz going into the season already. He'd have had enough low and mid-major offers to his name that, yeah, I think he probably would have seen at least some heavy sniffs from, from some Power Five throughout this winter. When I when I talked to Aiden, he said that he, you know, he felt like his role model elite AAU team, they don't typically get a lot of the visibility as some of the other AU teams out there. And he seemed pretty self-aware of that. It was that part of like, in your estimation, the intersection of like everything breaking right for Temple in terms of how, again, when people look at his offer sheet, someone who's never seen him play before is going to say, okay, well, Temple should be out recruiting all these programs. But yeah. is that is him playing on like a less of a high profile AU team? Did that play into this? Like of him being a true sleeper? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, cause if, I don't know if you've, you've ever walked into Spooky Nook or, or for anybody who has, I mean, where a lot of like the hoop group tournaments are over the summertime, a lot of the, the summer AAU recruiting gets done, at least on a, a local level, not the sneaker circuit level. Um, you know, there's like the, there, there's 10 main wooden courts and then there's another group of like four or five uh, kind of sport courts that are all kind of the main section. And then there's like 18 other back courts that are maybe like a, a half mile away <laughs> where all the action is and where all the coaches are going to be. 
you know, and the way it breaks down is like there's obviously the sneaker circuit level teams that are out on, you know, their national tours. And then all these event companies have their own circuits. Like Hoop Group has a circuit now. Role Model Elite's not on the Hoop Group circuit. So they're, right. they're and, and this is with, all, I mean, Kevin Moore, runs, I, I don't want to make it seem like they're a rinky ding program. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a really good job. It's just they're, they're, yeah, they're tucked away in the back. First, you had to know Aiden existed by July, which which not everyone did. And you had to really be willing to, to to go off the beaten path and go take a look at them. And to people's credit, there were some that were like, you know, mostly Division two coaches and a few low major Division one coaches. But, yeah, I mean, if he it's not even if just if he were playing on a circuit, but if he were just playing on on one of the marquee hoop group teams playing on court one instead of on court 19, things could have looked a lot differently, and especially just for, for a kid who was so open to signing. I mean wasn't a kid who was holding out for the best offer or anything like that. I mean, he just might've been signed to a low major division one school before Temple even had a chance to to know about him or see him. So yeah, just the fact that he, and, and again, I think he's a kid who also got better from July until September. And it, it people might think it sounds crazy, but that, that, that happens where, you know, I do think he, he was a better player by the time Temple even came and saw him. So I think it worked for his benefit and it worked for theirs. Um, by the time they came in to see him, he was ready to be seen by that level. And, you know, there was still really nothing that had gotten done with them from anybody yet. I mean, Temple was in there before, you know, physically in there to see him before his first offer had come in. So at that point, it's an even playing field. And for a change for Temple, it's not an even playing field because they have some of the things that um, the other programs recruiting the kid don't have, just from a facility standpoint, you know, conference standpoint, all that. So mm-hmm. before we get into a couple of mailbag questions here, again, I know I know things are fluid. We say this in this business all the time, but as of now, Temple's full for 2024. Now, granted, there could and probably will be some roster movement, but as of now, they can essentially start really, really looking more at 2025, 2026. So if we were if you were to grade their, you know, these two signings, you know, Dylan Batie and Aiden Tobias, and for Adam Fisher for his first full recruiting class, I mean, is this a good start for him in your estimation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's still, I mean, as you mentioned, the TBD just with the nature of recruiting, like that. I would expect this class will look different by the time it's all said and done. Right. Um, and that's not any inside information. That's not, it's just, you know, there'll probably be a transfer to added on top and, and, and the odds are that'll probably be more impactful towards Temple next season than mm-hmm. either of these two guys are going to be. But um, from a high school standpoint, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's an exciting place to start building from for them. Um, I really do. I think it's two guys who, like I said, both have things that they can bring to the table immediately. It, Dylan, especially Aiden, it wouldn't shock me even if he were to come in in red shirt, just from a physical standpoint. Again, that's not like sourced. It's just it, something that I could I, I could see making sense for both parties. But if he does need to play, he's a he's a lengthy six five kid who knows how to play and can maybe shoot forty percent from three. And Dylan, just like I said, being arguably the best athlete in the conference from the day he walks in, you have guys who can come in and play right away. And then you also just I mean have guys that you're going to be able to continue to develop and continue to keep working with guys that are pretty unselfish guys that are pretty easy to play with. So you could, they don't limit who else you need to be recruiting from a style of play standpoint. And both, I mean, yeah, just both talented kids, both kids that I grade out right on or near Aiden, probably right on a borderline high major level. And Dylan is a a, a legitimate high major player. And right now the reality is I know a lot of fans are going to be upset about it, but players with those grades are, are hard for Temple to, to recruit right now. And so to land two of them and to get it done in a week, pretty much. You know, I, th- I think it's a really good place to start kind of going into going into the transfer season. So we have a, a couple of mailbag questions here for you. These are screen names from the basketball message board at alscoop.com. First screen name here is Temple 22 question here. Where do we stand with some of the 2025 targets? Do you see us in a good spot with any of them? So he's referring to 
you know, guys like KJ Cochran at the Perk Yeoman School, Matt Gilhul and Kaishin Holster at Penn Charter, Cam Wallace at West Town, Devin Booker at Christo Ray, Keyshawn Tillery as well, a guy from outside of the area, and a couple other guys as well. But I mean, those are some of the main names. Again, each of these guys has his own timeline for his recruitment, but I'll start first. I mean, like I got all these guys are good players. You saw them a lot over the summer and we talked to you about them in July, but where do they stand? Where, where does Temple stand with them? We know that they're, they're recruiting all of them, but in your estimation, I mean, where, you know, it's always the the question or one of the questions that fans ask you, like how gettable are these guys for Temple? I mean, I don't think they're going to do a a clean sweep of all these players. If they did, that would be certainly not. Yeah, you could be pretty, some unhappy guys on the current roster. If that, yeah, <laughs> if that were to happen, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that scholarship count would go, but um, yeah, no, but I, I think they're they're in an interesting spot because I, I and and this is sourced, I guess. But I mean, I I know when when they got the job, um, and when when Fish got the job, he wanted to be really intentional of recruiting the twenty twenty fives as though that they were twenty twenty fours, having very little idea of what exactly his twenty four class is going to look like, having such little idea of what his current team looked like to know what his twenty four class would have to look like. It was easy to at least hit the ground running from a recruiting standpoint to be like, all right, we at least know who. By 2025, it's not going to matter what we have now. Let's just, we just want to be involved with the best players, and especially the best players in this area. And they were able to do a good job getting a head start on that. So all the guys that you just mentioned, I think, are guys that, before we get to how gettable, they're all guys that I think would genuinely be good gets and impactful gets for Temple. Right. So that's the first thing is the identification and, and the initial building of the relationship, which even in an NIL space does still matter. And now's the part that I think Temple fans are probably pretty familiar with, which is like you still kind of just got to wait. <laughs> and and wait and see. You know, there's a lot of high majors that have been in to see KJ Cochran. I think other than Penn State and Mississippi State, maybe that 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 none have offered. But like, I mean, you, you know, you got heavy hitters that are are sort of swarming around, and they're going to evaluate him this season. It, if they're going to offer him, it would help Temple honestly if they offer him this season rather than waiting until the winter. And Temple can know where it stands. Fish might still want to go into a big recruiting battle with some of those schools for for a kid like that, or they have a relationship with. But it also might be able to then. All right, let's shift our attention a little more to Kaishin Holster to Devin Booker, you know, whichever kid hasn't necessarily had that blow up yet. So I think they're in a good spot where where they've cast a wide enough net with guys who are genuinely good players. The odds are that a couple of them are going to blow up. There's a couple of them that I think are, you know, I've graded out right now as potential top 50, top 100 players in the country. The reality is right now those are going to be hard kids for Temple to sign no matter sure. where they're. Um, and no matter who are how- those guys are, who who would you think would be in that top 50? Top 50 range. I know Matt Gilhul was up for a visit at Syracuse already, right? Yeah, no. So I'd say Matt's a kid. I, th- there's going to be a really interesting year for Matt with his reclass and transfer and reclass to change the scenery for him. Um, and Matt's a kid I've been high on for a really, really long time. And he's definitely a kid that is still in that, has every chance to be a top 50, top 100 player. Is at a point this year where he's got to start like putting some really good games together. Now, the thing for Temple is if he does that, Matt's probably going to Syracuse or Miami or West Virginia or Virginia Tech or Penn State or or, or wherever. If he doesn't, then Temple's still probably getting a really in- – and, and Temple's able to be in the mix. They'd still be getting a really, really intriguing player. That's that's the thing for Temple. So I'd say, yeah, Matt, Matt's a kid who's in that mix. Two I've been really excited about watching recently since – you know, really since the summer are KJ Cochran and, and Kai Shinholster. You know, and, and and yeah, those are two that it wouldn't shock me if if by the time spring AAU rolls around that, that they, they could be out of Temple's reach. But again, like those are also both like some old school kids, some old school families, kids where we, you know, relationships are, are going to matter. And it might be something where they're able to have an honest enough conversation of, hey, no, we know we still have, you know, a couple power five offers, but Temple, you're really still in consideration. Does that mean that they're going to get the kid? No, obviously, you know, not necessarily. 
Yeah, but 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 it's an interesting position for them to be in. The other good thing is if a couple of those kids blow up, they play enough similar positions and are obviously from the same area that like, you know, if Matt Gilhul really blows up, the odds are Justin Hauser might not because those schools are all going to be recruiting Matt Gilhul. Or if, you know, Kai Schinholster blows up, that might be at the expense of Devin Booker's recruitment, not at the expense of Devin Booker's development as a player. Temple would mm-hmm. still be getting the same level of player as Devin Booker was three months ago. It just might be easier for them to recruit him if, you know, KJ and Kai are getting... 10 high major offers and, and, and bookers in the background. They, they all play AU together. That's why I say that, but um, mm-hmm. you know, or it could be the opposite. And it could, it, it, it just, the odds of all of them blowing up and getting out of temples reach are slim. And I think they've done a really good job laying groundwork where if they're not out of their reach, you know, temple is going to be an appealing option for each of those mm-hmm. kids. Okay, Sean Tillery, not a, not a kid from, from this area, but again, you gave us a good scouting report on him back in July. What have you seen from him in that time? And why do you think Temple's still recruiting a, a player like him? Yeah. So he's, He's one that honestly, I mean, he he's kind of experienced a little bit of the blow up that I might expect KJ and or Kai to to go through this year, just being up in the Nepsack and having a really, really terrific sophomore year, reclass sophomore year in the Nepsack last year up in New England, really put him on the map. Jalen Ruggiero from Sidwell uh, was on campus last weekend, right? And uh, I guess you classify him as a legacy recruit for Temple. His mother was a, a big five Hall of Famer at Temple as a women's basketball player. Had a really good junior season. I, I think he what, dislocated his kneecap. In, uh, so- sophomore season. He's a 2025. Oh, so, oh, excuse me. Yes, yes. Mid-State sophomore season. Had an injury in their in their title game last year, but he's recovered from that since then. Have you had a chance to see much of him? Um, yeah, unfortunately, not as much um, in the last... Because I was going to ask like how much hurt. he was able to play in the summer as he was recovering from that injury. Yeah, so if I remember right, he, he was definitely back by uh like may definitely by june in those the the high school live periods with sidwell mm-hmm. sidwell only played in one of the two live periods by the time he got back his team takeover team was so loaded that no they didn't end up winning peach jam but they made like the, the final four or, or elite eight and were, were almost undefeated most of the way through and and, and honestly just for jay like i don't want to pick on the kid i'm not picking on the kid he's a really good player but he was just clearly not in shape just from coming off his his injury he was still wearing a big brace He's yeah. a kid that got a little bit of a bigger body naturally. He just looked like he, you know, hadn't been able to to you know be on his. He looked like a kid who hadn't been able to be on his feet for for a few months, um, and definitely hadn't been able to be on the court for for a little while. But as a kid that, as a player, as a talent, I, I I'm still really excited about. And and again, and unless I see that start to linger into the season once he's healthy, I have no reason to to be concerned based on what I saw this summer. I mean, he's similarly just a, a recent Adam Fisher guys. He's got some Miles Dread to his game. Played at Penn State. Um, ended up really playing anywhere from like the one through the four for, for Penn state, similar body type, whereas, you know, Jalen's probably about six, five, but, um, little rounder, little thicker body, just naturally really strong and muscular, but can still move, can still really get off the ground, you know, jump and finish above the rim to really make shots. Uh, kid that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have graded out again, dismissing some of what, what, what he, you know, not, not being able to put his best foot forward this summer. I definitely have graded out as a high major player and somebody that would be an exciting get for Temple. But again, one that just from being hurt and, and um, being on the team he was on, like isn't necessarily in the lexicon right now and in, in, in the way that some of uh, some of his other counterparts are in the class, who honestly he might be better than. So it's, more, you know, it's a nice opportunity for Temple to really, you know, get in there and, and you know, see if they can form a relationship, see, you know, I don't know if his mom would <laughs> cares about him playing at Temple or not, but, but, but see if she does and, and kind of go from there while things might have cooled down a little bit for him on the recruiting front that could again you've stressed how fluid things are like Sidwell plays a national schedule that could change in three weeks if he looks back to you know back to himself but for right now no I mean it's a it, it's one that I think 
if you ask me right now, it's gettable and and one that will be a really exciting get. Uh, one more mailbag question here before we close things out. Uh, I got a couple questions for you about some 2026 guys. Um, mailbag question that we got, I thought I would float your way, is the screen name is TU1834. Question is, what should we look for in Zion Stanford's development to build on his showing from Monday night? So it's one game. Zion came off the bench, but played really well against the Maryland Eastern Shore team. I know it was a, it was a huge shocker. It, was, it put a dent in whatever resume Temple had at that point when they lost to Maryland Eastern Shore. But that Maryland Eastern Shore team actually turned out to be fairly decent. This is a mostly new roster, but nonetheless, they pretty much did what they were supposed to do against them. Zion played a little bit more than 20 minutes off the bench, go seven for 10, had 14 points, played a really composed game and, and looked like he was playing with good body control, getting to the rim. Uh, right before we we started talking, you mentioned it looks like he's he's in pretty good shape. I know you didn't get, get a chance to see the whole game, but you saw Zion Stanford when he was at West Catholic. Uh, again, it's one game. They're playing Navy in the Veterans Classic. Their schedule will start to get tougher as these weeks go on. But in terms of a debut, from what you saw from him at West Catholic last year, playing some decent minutes, what do you think's next for him and his development? And did you expect him to play 20 minutes in the opener? The only reason I could somewhat say yes was just because of some of what I've been hearing throughout the fall and, mm -hmm. and I mean, even going back to the summer, just about how how excited they were about him and how ahead of schedule that he was based on the player that they thought they got. And he, that's one where I'll be honest. I mean, when when they started recruiting and, and eventually signed him, like having watched Zion a lot, I wasn't positive that he was somebody that was going to be able to to impact health, certainly not right away. And I ultimately thought he might just end up being more of a, a program kid. When you looked at the development, though, I mean, what what I think they were sold on when they recruited him was just how much better the kid had gotten. Some of the ones mm -hmm. he'd been on the map, so it's not like an Aiden Tobiasin, but looked like a different player by, you know, AAU going into his senior year than he ever would have, you know, as a sophomore, let alone even then by throughout his senior year. And then what, fast forward to what he looked like now. I think that's the exciting part from a development standpoint is regardless of what the actual skill set developments are, just the, that that general trajectory that he's been on is really, really exciting going back about probably like two and a half years um, that he's just kind of been on this consistent upswing and really just changing what he is as a player. And so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned first, I mean, you looked like he's in great shape. Just looked like he, I, I haven't seen Zion in person since, um, you know, since, since he left West Catholic, but definitely just looked a little bit, almost like he grew, which is hard to tell from TV, but definitely looked slimmed out. Um, and he always kind of just had some awkward baby fat on him that looked like it would be pretty easy to convert to muscle. I just didn't see how... I didn't see how trim. I, I didn't expect him to be looking nearly as trim as he looked uh, when I turned that game on. I'd say the biggest marker just for his, for his development that's going to be the first thing that I think, especially knowing what what Fish wants to do, that they're going to address. Um, it's just that he didn't take any threes, so I think it's an easy place to start. I don't know if that's something that they right now want him doing in games or what. It, but but it's someone who shot the ball a little bit in high school and specifically as a senior and and, and that seventeen year summer really started to make an uptick as a shooter. And it's always going to be a different stepping out to the college line and just playing against longer athletes. The margins are a lot slimmer. You're not open means something different at the high school level than it does at the college level. And there's uh, an adjustment period to that. But I think that's whether it's, you know, I I don't necessarily expect it to be for the Navy game, but if it's, you know, by conference players, certainly even just by by future seasons, um, I think that's going to be the easiest marker for him to, to to just be able to take a big jump. It's just being able to get confident and, and, and comfortable again in a standstill three from the college line and, and against college athletes. All right, to close things out here, and again, you're listening to Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scout, and again, he's always been really, really generous with his time in talking to us and educating our listeners about recruiting in the area. Wanted to ask you about a couple of 2026 players, Luca Foster from Archbishop Carroll, and then Derek Morton Rivera from Father Judge, some of our 
listeners from my generation might remember his father, DJ Rivera. Tell me about those guys. Again, it's a little ways away, but two guys that are playing well in the, in the Philadelphia Catholic league it, it, it programs that are not typically the, the powerhouses, but guys that have, that have stood out. What can you tell us about those guys? Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for my money right now, I mean, it's still super early and it's a class with a lot of parity so far. Um, but for my money, I mean, pr- probably the two, two highest level prospects in that class, right in the Philadelphia area. Um, you know, again, super early, just heading into the sophomore years. So that could change, <laughs> but, um, Starting with Luca Temple's offered already. I think then uh that became his second offer. I think St. St. Joe's offered also. Kid is gonna be exciting because he's stepping up from JV last year to you know what's gonna be a marquee scoring role for a super, super young and fun Carroll team. Like just a sidebar for anybody listening that likes to check out local hoops. Archbishop Carroll is gonna play six freshmen and sophomores who are all gonna be probably mid to high major division one players. They're not gonna play any upperclassmen. So it's just gonna mm-hmm. be those you want to watch <laughs> don't know how much they're going to win or not win but they're going to be really fun to watch but anyway so luke is going to be right at the center of that kid was really just con- was intriguing coming into high school last year but just not quite ready for that you know for varsity level mostly from a physicality standpoint but it's just continued to get better he's about six five almost six six looks like he's kind of growing by the day that type of that type of body can really make shots can can get out in transition to, you know defends decently it's hard to say any sophomore is a high high level defender yet but no, I mean, he's a kid that that you look at right now. I mean, if he stays on the trajectory he's been on, he's got every chance to be, a, you know, top 75 type kid in the country. And realistically, one who's probably going to be hard for Temple to get. But, you know, one one that they're involved with early. And yeah, and then Derek Morton Rivera, uh, Father Judge. And, and and Derek Morton Rivera, Judge, I mean, you mentioned his dad, who I didn't get to watch play, but I'm familiar with, you know, in the uh, I'm familiar with DJ Rivera's oh, like America East leading scorer. And that's just, it's really easy to watch Derek play who actually goes by Mir. So if, if you hear me call yeah. Mir, um, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, so it's easy to watch Mir play and see that his dad was was a big-time scorer because he's just a really, really natural bucket getter. Started um, off with St. Joe's and then finished at Binghamton, right? Yep, yep. Ended yep. up finishing at Binghamton and I think was a leading scorer in the conference in, in, in the American yeah. East. Yeah, scored like 20-something points a game. Yeah. Um, which for anybody, I mean, that's hard to do in college. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and, and, and his son's very, very similar um, I can't necessarily speak to the style because I didn't watch his dad, but just a natural score can put it in the bucket from anywhere. True three level score gets it done with, you know, left hand, right hand, really, really skilled, uh, really confident and aggressive starting to get athletic. And what's fun. I mean, he, he's a younger kid for his grade. He's still super long and super skinny and baby faced, you know, so it's going to kind of determine whether he's gettable for temple or not as if, you know, he's probably like a long six, one right now, if he grows to, Six three, six four, and is doing the things he's doing from a scoring standpoint. He's it's going to be hard for that kid not to wind up in a power five somewhere. If he stays his current size and stays not quite a point guard, like then it's someone that again I think will probably end up having power five opportunities still, but like could could be one that's in the realm of of getting for Temple and obviously it's one that has a a ton of local ties to the basketball you know the local basketball community you know so I could see that appeal of of staying close potentially being something that would come into play mm-hmm. down the line. All right. Great stuff. As always, a lot of our loyal listeners know where they can find your work, but for those who are listening to you for the first time, where can they find you on social media? Any, any exciting stuff coming up for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, not much exciting besides the season starting to roll around, which yeah. <laughs> I know uh, summers are really busy of, of course, with, with yeah, no, but, 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 but so, I mean, you know, I'm really excited for the season. Um, this will be, I think season uh, three officially under uh, the elite high school scouting brand. Um, I really just can't wait to to get back out there. I'll be starting uh first game will actually be tomorrow at Life Center Academy in Burlington. I think last year I ended up getting to like I was like just shy of two fifty, <laughs> two hundred and fifty games wow. for, 
for the season. Yeah. So, so looking forward to getting back out there. That's what's coming up. Keep up. Uh, I'm on Twitter mostly at a Rosenfeld hoops. We'll see how much longer uh, X, I guess. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, haven't up- I haven't updated my phone, so I still have Twitter, <laughs> uh, yeah. but um, yeah, a-, a Rosenfeld hoops. And you can also follow elite high school scouting at elite HS scouting. And I also got a shout out uh, my assistant VP, uh, Tom Keller, uh, who's at Tom Keller underscore uh, on Twitter. Keep up with, you know, any or all three of those accounts and you'll see all the, all that we're doing, all the gyms that we're in, all the players that we're seeing. Um, and then Instagram as well, which we don't do as good a job as, as as good a job of as we need to is elite HS scouting as well. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely, buddy. Appreciate it. Big thank you to Ari Rosenfeld. We always enjoy having him on the scoop again, giving you guys a lot of insight into not only the players like Aiden Tobias and Dylan Batie who signed with Temple, but the guys that they're continuing to recruit. So always appreciate having him on the show. Speaking of Temple basketball for both programs, the men and the women, good season openers. We'll start with the men, 85-65 win over Maryland Eastern Shore. I mean, we were talking to Ari about how well Zion Stanford played. Uh, cold shooting first half for the Owls again. We'll talk a little bit about this game again. They're playing at Navy tomorrow night, which I think is a winnable game for them. Navy lost 59-48 to Campbell. Johnny's going to be down there in Annapolis covering the game for us. But, uh, guys, just some some general thoughts about, about Monday night's opener. It really didn't end up being so much of a I, I think the whole again, whoever thought we'd be talking about a revenge game for Maryland Eastern Shore, <laughs> but again, that was a that was a bad loss for Temple at the time last December. Uh, I mean, I've got a couple of big picture takeaways that for as much big picture ish stuff as you can have after one game. But again, an eighty five sixty five win, they played much better in the second half. They were up by thirty one at one point before Maryland Eastern Shore scored some late buckets to get it down to within twenty. But what'd you guys think? Did did you expect them to not not just win the game, but play to the comfortable margin that they that they had or did you expect the game to be closer because there are so many question marks with with this team what were your thoughts from the game I don't think I really and I don't know if this comes off a little I didn't have thoughts (laughs) well now I always have thoughts all the time I think the biggest takeaway for me that I really didn't expect I didn't really care about the result going into the game I cared about what we saw on the floor in terms of confidence comfort you know, what open looks are they getting? Are they creating? And I think my biggest takeaway was just the confidence and the comfort level part mm-hmm. of it. Like the way that they interacted on the court, they were having fun. Yeah. Like they were they were enjoying each other as teammates. And it was a lot less, you know, ISO. You know, it happened a couple times. Like, sure. let me just get my open shot. Uh, but it, a lot of it was, I think, boiled down to Coach Fisher on the sideline fist pumping in the you know in the first part of the first half at a made layup or like you know little things like that we saw Hysir Miller throw down a a, mm-hmm. a dunk in traffic I couldn't think of wording you know this massive slam that his teammates got excited for mm-hmm. everybody was on press row at least was like oh my goodness who is this guy like mm-hmm. he is he looked confident as ever Jaleel White looked as confident as he maybe ever has in yeah, a cherry well, and six, white jersey. Well, six career, I think His six double, career, double-double, 15 points, 14 rebounds, uh, two blocks as well, also played ball. Right, and like we didn't even see what Steve Settle could do fully because on the offensive end, he, he kind of struggled a little mm-hmm. bit. Matteo Piccarelli didn't have as good as a game. You know, his shots weren't falling as much. Like mm-hmm. 
this wasn't even their sort of full potential as a team. And I think yeah. there are a lot of positive takeaways. And granted, like you said, you know, who would have thought Maryland Eastern Shore would be a rivalry game at this point, you know, when Temple was beating Houston and all this other stuff. And you can't take much away from the result, but you can take away what you saw, what you saw from the team, from Zion Stanford, who we talked about with Ari. I just think there was a lot of lot of positives in that message, and I, you know, I, that that makes you feel good as a Temple fan. No, I, I, you hit the nail on the head with literally everything that you said. Thanks, man. Um, I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, you can't really take much from the actual result, and you can't like look into the stats too much. But I think just being there, watching them play, I think you there, you saw a lot of good things, and like like Declan mentioned, I think Fisher and his presence is kind of brought out what Hasir and Jalil you didn't see last year from them, and I think that's really important. And even Shane Dazoni, he looked pretty good in the minimal time that he was on the floor. And I think that while Steve Settle, his offensive performance might have been disappointing, on the defensive end and uh, on the boards, he was still really present and there, and I think you there's things to be excited from him as well. So I think moving forward, I think – You'd like to see a little bit more from him offensively and as well as Matteo Piccarelli. But I think it's just a little bit of gelling together. And I think seeing Hasir and Jaleel, the way that they played confidently, I think is a really good sign. Yeah, nine nine rebounds and two steals for Steve Settle. He shot just 107 from the floor. A couple of things that stood out to me was just really how, and they talked about, they used this word, how connected they were at the defensive end in the first half. Because, I mean, both teams shot really, really poorly in the you know in the first half. I, I UMES was 10 of 33 in the first half. Temple was 9 of 28. And then in the second half, Temple shot 53% from the floor, and their shooting got a lot better. But in the first half, again, for for I, I totally get that they get more time than they have in years past to, to work together in the summer now. But for all the new faces that they brought in, Steve Settle, uh, Sam Hoffman, Matteo Piccarelli, Zion Stanford, Shane Dizoni, Tosh Thwee. Well, Taj was practicing with them last year. Quante Berry got some some, like – minute and 40 seconds at the end of the game but a lot of new faces and they were communicating on defense I think my overall takeaway and I, and I wrote about this for the story that we had you know Tuesday morning was again it's one game they should beat Navy tomorrow you know Drexel and and uh we have a mailbag question about this who's a who's a a better opponent in the pod to get to the big five uh the, the you know the first place big five game but the, the schedule will eventually get tougher and you can't make much out of one game. But I will say this, that the vibe around the program is different. And I will say this too. I, I still think that Aaron McKee is a hell of a basketball coach. He's a terrific, terrific person. I think I've said this before. I think Aaron just might have been more cut out to be a college basketball coach in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think Adam, you know, and again, like this will be tested, of course, for him. And I've asked him about this when we, you know, when he had him, when we had him on the pod and I, I talked to him in a one-on-one -on -one setting. How do you strike that balance between being positive, being fun, being uplifting, and, and at the same time not allowing the team to walk all over you? And again, there were times, like even, I mean, even late in the game, I think, like I'm really picking on somebody here, like Deuce Roberts got in late and he like said to him, wake up, you know, because he had, I think he had a turnover, but he's still a high intensity guy, but I think it, as of now, carries himself with the persona of a modern day college basketball coach. He is fun, he is upbeat, he's positive. He really embraces like trying to brand the program. Even just again, these don't necessarily win ball games for you, but a couple of things relating to Zion Stanford that you guys were there for. 
Zion, I forget what part of the of a question he was answering, and he kept saying, he said, for real, for real. It was a and couple then, questions. Yeah, and then Fish puts his hand on his shoulder. He goes, just just to clarify, when you say for real, for real, that means that you're for real? And he goes, yeah. And the whole room broke up in laughter. Like, that's sort of like, again, he's not, he has not won the games he's won, but it reminded me of, like, something that Jay Wright would do in a press conference with his Villanova players. And, and look, Jay would get on his players. He's won two national championships. Adam's not in that realm yet, of course. But... He seems to have that approach where he can be tough on guys but still connected to him. And then there was that anecdote that he shared about team gets into the Leah Core Center for shoot-around. He said, somebody said, where's Z? Get Z. And Zion Stanford thought that the shoot-around was over at the practice facility. And I asked, I asked Matteo Piccarelli about this too. He was like, yeah, he was getting shots up over there. It's not like he was purposely missing it. Once he realized he was in the wrong place, he ran over. And Adam said, like, I had two choices there. And I'm paraphrasing this. He's like, I could have said, how could you not have known that we were over here and he could have made it like this dark cloud hanging over him for the rest of the day. He's like, tie your shoes up, catch your breath, let's watch some film, let's get ready for this game. I'm not saying that that single conversation sparked him to a 14-point game, but I think so far Adam has a good feel for how you have to manage younger players in 2023. Again, I, I'm still not seeing anything that, that tells me they're going to be an NCAA tournament team, but for the most part, they did what they were supposed to do in game one of the season. Uh, Jordan Riley, I've been told, has been practicing with the team. Uh, he didn't play Monday night. They didn't need him. But a guy that is a nice sign that they, they they were able to win by 20. They were up by 31 at one point. Without a guy that they're going to be counting on a lot this season at both ends of the floor. He's dealing with a hamstring issue. So I, I, I think he's at least a possibility to play against Navy tomorrow night. I think they can beat him. They can beat Navy without him, but uh, we'll see. And then, of course, we had, before we get into a little bit of football here and then the mailbag to close things out, Diane Richardson squad. Again, they're playing Georgetown tonight. Pod's going to come out after that game. But, I mean, they just really, really, really just apologize for the uh, iMessage I got there, that ping that you're hearing in the background. Really did, if you're talking about doing what they needed to do, what a team needs to do, I mean, they really just completely dominated Delaware State. Of course, they're going to play better teams starting with tonight. You guys covered that game. You know that program pretty well. They did what they were supposed to do. It's not like they let them hang around. That was a, a dominant effort from start to finish. What did you guys think? Yeah, if you don't know, now you know. I mean, that's the, <laughs> the equal opportunity offense was on full display. They had eight scores in double figures, and that's, like, unreal. You know, just imagine, like, you know, you're tired, you're, you're somebody's starters, and you come off and all of a sudden you've got a scorer right behind you that can go in and get the same amount of points that you're getting. Like that's that's unbelievable. That feels like a cheat code in today's college basketball. You know, that especially with how it's getting almost more toward the NBA where you have like five different players that are going to play most of the minutes and maybe you have six or seven people coming off the bench. They had 12 players check in and all 12 scored. Like that's I don't know. I feel like that's unheard of in this day and age and and granted like you said, you know, competition but that also means they didn't take their foot off the gas like this is a competitive team this is a team that's going to match up with with anybody that's put in front of them there was a there was a a, a bit of unselfishness it felt like you know any any open pass was being made like there was nobody forcing shots at any point it was always trying to find the best opportunity to score it was multiple levels too the front court played well which was like a sh not a shock because they had the talent, but like it was crazy to see, you know, 
them go up and get rebounds and be able to play in the post because they just hadn't been able to do that last year as much as you know as, as coach rich wanted to i mean she said she used to dread when teams would put mm-hmm. in their bigs yeah. and now all of a sudden they've got rain tucker who can go in and and be you know more physical more powerful you've got jaleesa molina the freshman coming off the bench and you know leading the team in points in her first game not only at the collegiate level in the united states like I did, there's a lot to be excited about in this program, and I just I think that you know there's so much coming together for this team, and it's it's really going to be cool to watch over this season. You mentioned a lot of things coming together. I mean, what about some of the developments that have happened with some of the players we saw last year? I mean, Tierra East looked like a she looked like a completely different, different person, player. and it was crazy. Uh, Coach Rich sat here in this office and talked about how her confidence has gained, and we, she said it, that she's going to look like a different player, and that's exactly what happened. Enos Piper, who struggled at times last year, came out and led the team in rebounds with 11. I, that was the first time she ever scored double-digit points in, I, and, in the cherry and white. And I, I, when, I, when I heard that stat, I, I was shocked because it looked so easy for her, the way she was able to go out there on the boards, get six offensive rebounds, and just keep possessions alive. It was amazing to watch, and it, it, this is a, like this is a team that I know me and you were both excited about to watch and cover because we had saw we had saw last year the potential that they had, and now that we're actually now they actually got a chance to see it, and that they actually went out and did it and scored a hundred and nine points mm-hmm. was. It was fascinating. Awesome. It was, it was awesome. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Delaware State completely overmatched. It's a game that they were supposed to win, but they they did exactly what they were supposed to do and then some. So again, uh, once you're listening to this on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Temple will have played Georgetown because we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. But I wanted to talk a little Temple women's hoops as well. There's some stuff in the mailbag, of course, that we'll get to in a few moments. I'll talk briefly about this Temple football team. Finally got back in the win column. They beat Navy 32-18. to 18. They traveled down to Tampa this Saturday to take on USF. I believe Temple's a seven-point underdog in that game. But real quick, guys, just some, some big-picture takeaways from the win over Navy. Temple improved to 3-6, and six, their first conference win. An interesting game in that they won despite committing four turnovers, two E.J. Warner interceptions, two fumbles. But they pulled away in the second half. And, again, this isn't as good a Navy team as we've seen from from you know years past, but they, they there were some signs of life there. What stood out to you guys from from last Saturday's win? Other than you know, I mean, EJ Warner put up big numbers. Uh, I think one of the most impressive things is the way the 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 defense played. But what did you guys take from last Saturday? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we sat here in the same office and said they probably wouldn't win this game, and you know, yeah, I'm, I was I'm wrong and I was right. I will tap the chest on that one. It didn't look like you were going to be right there for a little bit, but that was my key takeaway is that, you know, they, they talked about facing adversity. I know at least Jordan McGee had said that facing adversity and reacting to a bad situation. And it almost was, you know, mm-hmm. they go up 17, nothing and they give up 15 unanswered. And all of a sudden Navy's back in the game. And it's like, that's the third phone call you've gotten over this podcast. <laughs> and uh, it's like all of a I can't sudden, help it, guys, I'm, uh, <laughs> kind of and it's, you know, all of a sudden it's a, it's a two point ball game, but instead of like getting bogged down in, in any mistakes or trying to get caught up in the moment, they, they responded really well and they went out and they took care of what they had to do. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. The run defense looked good in the first half. And then you could just tell they got winded. Which I think was part of that, you know, fifteen nothing run. Um, but 
yeah, I think the the biggest pro- takeaway probably is just how well they were able to bounce back when it looked like they almost didn't. And, uh, you know, you take that into the final three games of the season, they're still technically bowl eligible. So any anything could happen. Any given Saturday slash Friday. And I, I think you're 100% right. I think the way they faced the adversity was really a big takeaway. And I think also just how much the defensive line has struggled this year and then the way the way they were able to come in and be disciplined. I mean, Jordan McGee gave all credit to the defensive line for how well they played and how disciplined they were with their eyes and able to stay uh, keep communicating and not have any missed assignments. I think that was one of the key things as well for uh, why the def- defense played so well. That was one of my main takeaways. Yeah, you, you don't always see your defensive line make some of the stops the Temples did against Navy. It's it's you know, it's common for them to get three or four yards on a full, on, like on a, on a fullback dive and, and all the stuff, the misdirection stuff that they do, but the, but the defensive line played pretty well. And again, to hold them to 144 yards of rushing, I think Zach said this in his preview. I think I, I might've said it last week on the pod. If you held them to 200, 250 yards rushing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just that's just what they do. And I, I think I wrote this in my story. They were following the script, build an early lead, and then they kind of like metaphorically just crumpled up into a ball and started started throwing the game away. But learning how to win again, like that's something that Al Golden had to reinstall. It's something that Matt Rule had to reinstall. You love the, the flip the switch thing. It just popped into my head. Had to do it. You have to look it up and see if there's any some if there's anything uh, about it on YouTube. If you can actually like. You can actually see it, but they needed a win in the most obvious, obvious way. But they almost kind of needed a, they needed to be shaken up a little bit and just not let everything go to crap because that game almost did get away from them. And uh, you know, and they pulled away. Obviously, you know, no kidding statement of of, of the week. EJ Warner being back obviously really, really helped the offense. But I, I was really you know it's a real, bold take, Sorry, really bold ahead. take. But the way the def- the way the defense played was was encouraging, and so now you look at Saturday's game down at USF. They score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points, and they really, really, really got into a shootout with Memphis. Hung in there with them. They should be able to move the ball on USF. The question is if they can play well enough against Byron Brown. I mean, he's really a, a very good dual threat quarterback who can, can give them issues can run the ball, can throw it. He's a redshirt freshman. He's going to be a challenge for them. I asked Stan this question on Monday, and I think he said there are some things that can translate. Again, Navy's an outlier in terms of how they play offense and how they play defense. But if you're coming off of a game where your eye discipline is good and you did a good job in, in stopping the run, then maybe, just maybe, there's something to build on there in terms of how you have to defend a quarterback like like Byron Brown again last week in in the in their in their game against Memphis he completed his first 13 passes went 31 of 39 for 350 uh, 357 yards five touchdowns 100 yards on 23 carries he's really good Sean Atkins is his best receiver he's already got 639 yards and four touchdowns and 60 catches he's been on the smaller side he's about 510 170 pounds offensively they're going to be a challenge and again it's absolutely not an apples-to-apples comparison in terms of defending Navy's triple option versus defending what what USF does. But, again, there's just something to be said for, like, they won, they were able to go in the locker room and celebrate. From what you saw against Navy, just in terms of them responding, not letting adversity get in the way, they kind of shut things down, they pull ahead and win. 
Did you guys see anything last Saturday that would lead you to believe that they can go down to Tampa and win this game? Maybe just the the response. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the offense played well as well. But I don't know. I'm very hesitant because this team has struggled all year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's not easy. Like, it's it's very much not easy to defend Navy. But if you only really have to focus on the one thing, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's a tad bit easier to game plan than mm-hmm. in other weeks when you have more of a threat from offenses that are going to pass the ball more frequently. Um, but I do Although think... Although Xavier Arline hit him for a couple late passes. Well, that's true. And yeah. that's almost kept them in the game at times. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just think, you know... I think the response is the biggest thing. Them being able to bounce back and mm-hmm. get out of their own heads, seemingly, is big. And that would probably be the biggest factor into whether or not they can compete. Not compete in this game, because I think they'll compete, but actually go out and win the game. I agree. I think the the response was really big. And you had mentioned the eye discipline and something the defense could build off of. But I think, for me, one of the one of the other things is the way they were able to get the tight ends involved. It seems like any time that this offense gets the tight ends involved with David Martin Robinson, it, the offense plays well and, and the team plays well. And I feel like if you can go down to USF and you can get the tight ends involved in the offense and have them playing well, I feel like that could give Temple a chance and the offense to score a lot of points and come out of there with the win. Prediction time, guys. Oh, Johnny, you're the birthday boy. You go first. Um, I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game, and I also think it'll be very close. Uh, I'm going to say 41-38 Temple. Hmm, predicting a Temple win. 45-42 USF, hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to predict 45-35 USF. I, I Again, I, I agree just just cutting things off before it could get worse that is a mental barrier that teams need to get over i just i'm not sure yet that they're capable of doing it a couple weeks in a row i agree with you i think it's going to be a high scoring game there's a really good quarterback they're facing uh, in some ways that's not to say that that Jalen mcmurray and now i mean uh we, we should mention that the alex odom is now wearing number 31 stan said he's got some personal stuff to work out but um, he was not playing at safety, so it was Dominic Hill, and um, why am I? Fr- ah, Jesus. Um, who's the other safety? My goodness. From Taiwan, Taiwan Francis. Francis. Yeah, Taiwan Francis. Uh, my goodness. Pop my quiz. Brain's, my brain's fried. Um, <laughs> pop quiz. But you know, like that secondary is going to be tested in a way that they weren't last week. I totally again could see it being a really, really high-scoring game again. But um, I don't know. Maybe they'll. they'll Maybe they will uh, surprise some people. Again, Maybe. they're still technically, they have to win out to become bowl eligible 6-6. Six and six. They would have to win at USF, win at UAB, but then winning the day after Thanksgiving against Memphis, a really good Memphis team is going to be tough. But we'll see how things go for them down in Tampa. Let's close things out with the mailbag here. Got a few good questions. The first one, this is from the Al Scoop message board. The screen name is TJ Clark. TJ Clark's question is, any chance Demeric Morris gets back on the field before the end of the year, do we know if anything is up late in Jordan? Has Mahim McCargo played? I don't think I'd seen or heard his name. Are you hearing anything about the possible commitment staff? Seems to be offering more JUCO recently. We'll talk about that. That's in someone else's question about junior college players. Uh, interestingly enough about Demeric Morris, again, we were told that he was going to be out for the year back when he got hurt prior to the start of the season. I think I think they even have it in his Al Sports bio that he's out for the year. But 
I was told today by a couple sources that he's he's participated in a limited basis in practice over the last two weeks. Uh, didn't ask Stan about him this Monday because I didn't think there was anything to be asked about Demerick Morris, but we'll see. I mean, he would come back with two years to play. He got a COVID year. He hasn't used a redshirt year. He could play in these last three games and still redshirt. I don't want to say I don't know what the benefit is. If he, if he's healthy enough to play and he bolsters your defensive line and you win your last three, then it was worth it. But I don't know. It's an interesting question, TJ Clark, something that I didn't think we'd be answering at this juncture of the season, but he has been practicing. So I don't know. Uh, we'll know better. If you see him pop into the game Saturday, then we'll have something to ask about and follow up on Monday. We'll see. Do we know if anything is up with Leighton Jordan? I believe he was he was banged up. But yeah, I mean, he has not played as well as he has last year. I haven't talked to Stan in a little while about Leighton Jordan. We'll see. No, Mahima Cargo has not really played as much. Possible commitments, nothing impending that I'm aware of. We'll get to the junior college stuff. In, a, in another mailbag question here, which is the next one from JHD722. What do the slew of JUCO offers re, uh, recently suggest in your opinion? I think it's pretty simple. I mean, Stan and this staff are going into their third season next year. You can't as much in today's college football say, wait for next year, wait for next year, wait for next year. They want to make sure that the good players they do have stick around. And we've talked about this before. I mean, like, I'm not saying they're going to stop recruiting high school players, but I'm sure that when they win a game or when they're the guys watching film, they can say, we're a player away here, we're a player away there. This guy, if we could just seal off a block here or do something there. I mean, that's how they're going to have to get, I think, a little bit more of this done because these guys are human beings. They have they have jobs to contend with and jobs to fight for. So I don't know that they can, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, they can't go high school heavy with this class. I don't think they're going to bring in 18, 20 high school players. They're going to need some guys that can come in and play right away, particularly on the offensive line, particularly on the defensive line. So I think it suggests that these guys are just saying like, we need to win. We need to win sooner rather than later. We need guys that are a couple years older. I think it's just as simple as that. Uh, This one I got to kick out of. I checked the... I checked the alscoop.com Gmail, and lo and behold, I don't know if, uh, I think this guy is trying to protect his real name. I don't know if this is his real name, but this uh, said I would read it, so this this uh, this cracked me up. Guy goes from Will from Aston on email. We got an email mailbag question. Hi, John. Big fan of the podcast. I've heard you guys talking a lot about the transfer portal recently, and it's got me thinking that maybe my wife is also in the transfer portal. <laughs> she recently moved in with her sister and has been staying late at work most nights working on a, quote, big project. I just want to know why she left me. Please bring the kids back home, Susan. <laughs> oh, God, that's tremendous. Let me pull up the rivals page That is... <laughs> got to do some research. That is tremendous. That's, that's awesome. tremendous. Will... Great email. We're... Uh, Whoever you are, wherever you are, in the in the in the heart of Delaware County and Aston, <laughs> God bless you, buddy. Uh, I hope Susan comes home. We'll have a uh, that was a little twelve to six curveball. Drink, <laughs> drink on Johnny at the uh, Owl Scoop meet and greet. Yes, <laughs> just yes, for yes. you, Will. God, just for you. God bless you, Will. Um, <laughs> Life sure has it. Keep us um, updated. Yeah, keep us updated, Will. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. It's very comforting. I want to know what happens. Yeah. Bless you, life sure hasn't. 
Uh, Green Street Owl with the next mailbag question here, getting back to uh, getting back to the football. Right now, we have the same number of wins as last season. Assuming we win one more game, which is hardly a given, how would you evaluate the program in terms of progress? On a related note, have you sensed a different attitude or shot of energy from the team this week after last week? Surprisingly, some uh, somewhat convincing win. Answer the second question first. Yeah, I mean, it sounds so simple, but these guys just needed to go into that locker room last Saturday, play some music, be upbeat. So, yes, on a week-to-week basis, you don't know what this win could do for them. I mean, I think David Martin Robinson said it. He's like, I still think this is a very good football team. Again, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but they're not without talent. So, yes, I think we I think we saw that uptick. We saw it on Saturday. We saw it on Monday during player and, and coach availability. So, yeah, they, they just needed to feel good about themselves. Again, the offense can see, wow, E.J. Warner is still a really good quarterback. That defensive line, again, Navy's an outlier, but they stopped some people. Assuming they can win one more game, how would you evaluate the, the the program in terms of progress? I mean, it's hard to say if they end up going if they end up going four and eight, and that win is over UAB on the road. No, it's not the progress that they wanted. So, you know, it's uh, you know, I think if they win out their last three, I think that's a hell of a turnaround. I think that would be the exact step forward that they wanted. That would give them a huge a huge shot in the arm, but. I'll ask you guys that question. If they win one more game, they go four and eight instead of three and nine. Are you saying, oh, that's incremental progress? Or are you just sitting there saying, like, no, nah, it's more of the same? Yeah, I mean, I just think, like, you don't really base it off record at this point, you know, because, like, either way, they're not really competing for where they want it to be. And I think we know what this team is, regardless of how these final couple games, uh, you know, shape out. But that's just my opinion i don't i don't really i don't really think like they made any leaps and bounds progress i don't think they fell back very much i think we talked about it last week but injuries were a big thing here uh you know they didn't really get to play as a full unit i just think that there was so much outside you know so many outside factors that you can't really assess correctly whether or not they took a step forward or back yeah, no, I'd I'd probably agree with you for the most part, Declan. I think it's kind of it's hard to ev- fully evaluate them when you 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 had so many injuries. Although I will say, I mean, this is a team that they, I mean they talked about being bowl eligible. They talked about winning six games, getting that threshold, and it just it does. Even if they win one, maybe even two more games, it just doesn't feel like they played like the team that they hoped they'd be and that they talked mm-hmm. about that they were going to be. Yep. And I wouldn't say that's a step backwards, but it's sure as hell isn't a step forward. Sure as hell. It's a good it's a good one, Johnny. No, uh-huh. it feels like more like treading water. Uh, next mailback question here, love to finish it out here quickly. Last two, uh, the first one's from Temple Fan Al from our message boards. Can Temple go two and oh in Big Five play to play in the first place game at the Wells Fargo Center next month in December? Is Drexel or LaSalle more of a concern? I mean, it's so hard to say after one game, but those two teams in their opener did play head to head. LaSalle wins that game, sixty-one to fifty-seven. I mean, they're, they're. I'd say LaSalle's probably a little bit more of a concern. They, both teams have some good, solid guards in their in their backcourts. You know, Jameer Brickus, Khalil Brantley, for LaSalle. You know, had a nice game in the opener. Um, call it bias because, you know, we covered them, but I, I'd give the oh, look Zach Spiker took Drexel to the Temple more recent uh, to the excuse me to the NCAA tournament more recently than Temple 
has been there. So I don't want to diminish what, what Zach has done there. But uh, again, LaSalle won that head-to-head matchup. So I'd say you'd, you'd say that maybe they're, they're more of a threat. Temple, of course, is going to play at Drexel on Tuesday at the DAC. So we'll see. I, I don't know. I think I think LaSalle would, would get the edge there. The second part of his question was, uh, when do Temple's new basketball verbal commits plan on signing? They announced that today. So, again, uh, Dylan Batie and Aiden Tobias in signed their national letters of intent today, or they, they were announced today. And then they also announced the the signings for Diane Richardson and her staff of, uh, is it Keelan? Keelan Sedano? Uh, Savannah Curry and Adina Webster, a couple of players we talked about last week. So, Good week for, for both programs on, on the recruiting front. Uh, Esther Boyer, last question here. Uh, women's basketball question, mailbag question. Have you heard any reports on how Kiyomi McMiller's visit went last week? What is your guess uh, for where she ends up? And we were told by a, a few sources that her, her visit went really well. And I also continue to be told, um, again, I've to be clear, I have not talked to Kiyomi McMiller so I'm, I'm now, I don't know her personally. I'm not getting this from her. People I, I do know who know a little bit about her have said that she's, uh, and I can't remember if we mentioned this in the pod last week. Again, Diane Richardson cannot talk about her. But uh, I've been told that she's a different kind of person and is not necessarily chasing offers as much. But um, again, she, I think her official visits are going to be Temple, James Madison, Ole Miss, Florida State. I don't know well enough uh, to where she ends up. I don't have, I mean, I could try to gas you up here, Esther Boyer, and just say, oh, I think she's going to end up at Temple. I don't have quite the handle on her recruitment to answer this. But again, we keep going back to this. I think Temple's got a chance. I think if you, again, if you listen to Diane Richardson on the podcast with us last week, you can see how relatable, how charismatic she is. I think it's a good sign that they brought her in for an official, that they were able to get her in for an official, that she was here for an unofficial I could say, hey, she'll end up at a power five, and that's and that's my guess. But again, I continue to be told she's she's a, a different type of recruit. I don't know that anybody that I've talked to has said she's definitely leaning this way or that way. But I don't know if I have a, a solid guess as to as to where she ends up. But that'll do it for this week. Big happy birthday again thank to you. our buddy John Swislak. Thank you. Big thank you to Ari Rosenfeld for joining us again on the scoop we'll have much more basketball content for you guys next week thanks for joining us for another episode and we'll talk to you soon